Yes, well, we've been studying for the last few weeks. We've been studying together the self-descriptive statements that Jesus makes from the book of John. These are known as the I Am Discourses. And these are seven. There are actually seven of them. We only have five weeks to dedicate to it. So we've selected five of these statements. But each of them help us to realize that Jesus was the great I am of the Old Testament. And he reveals himself in the New Testament as the fulfillment of that. The one who, the I am who has become flesh to seek and save each of us who are lost and to give us an abundant life. We've already studied together several of them. Today we're going to focus on I am the good shepherd. But so far we've already talked about I am the way, the truth, the life. Everybody remember that? John chapter 14, verse 6. And then Pastor Brent uh, shared with us on I am the doors. He shared so wonderfully when I was out of pocket a couple of weeks ago. And then last week we studied about Jesus' statement that said, I am the what? The bread of life. And today I am the good shepherd. Turn your Bibles or your devices to John chapter 10. We'll read the text. This is actually the most famous of all of the statements that might be controversial. I mean, Different people would have different views, but I would think in general public, this is probably the best known out of all the I am declarations when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So I'm going to read to you from the New International Version, John chapter 10, verse 11 through 17. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, once again, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as a father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are also not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They will also listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason that my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Now, these are all the words of Jesus, and we learn much about what he is and what he wants to be for us through that. But I want to share with you today on this subject of I am the good shepherd. But first, before we get to honing in on him as the good shepherd, it may be helpful for us to be reminded of shepherding throughout the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament, the idea of shepherding is very common. Why do you think that is? Shepherd, the shepherd, sheep, shepherding was a metaphor in the ancient world because of how common it was in an agrarian society. In fact, to be a shepherd was one of the most common vocations known to society during hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. One of the most common, I, I was trying to think of something today that we would compare to it, but I don't even, I couldn't even come up with something today because we're so diverse in occupations and specializations and, and vocations. So I don't even know that it could compare with anything today in, in contemporary society, but shepherding was common to everybody. Everybody saw it in throughout the New Testament when we read it. We see shepherding repeated. We see David, who we know that become, became king, but he started out as a shepherd. shepherd. Actually, he's referred to by the famous commentator F.B. Meyer. He's referred to as the shepherd king. He was. He was a shepherd. And by the way, he was a good shepherd. He's just not the shepherd. 
the good shepherd. All right. So David tells us a lot as he writes and illustrates through maybe one of the most well-known Psalms in all the Bible, Psalm chapter 23, right? And there we see God presenting himself as, as David's writing, but we see that the Lord is my shepherd. That literally is the revelation of God and one of, his, of one of his distinctive covenant names. We know that there are many of those in the Bible. But this is the one that is Jehovah Rach, which means I am a shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. Jehovah God is a shepherding God. And then we go throughout other scriptures in the Bible. I'm just going to mention a few. You don't need to turn to them right now. But just several others that I think will be meaningful for you. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep by an everlasting covenant signed with his blood. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. We see a reference to Jesus as what? The great shepherd of the sheep. And then in Zechariah, way back in Zechariah, is a messianic prophecy. It says, the Lord, their God, will rescue his people just as a shepherd rescues his sheep. Revelation, all the way to Revelation, chapter 7, verse 17. For the Lamb, I love this one, for the Lamb, capital L, at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. Isn't it interesting that we see the, the combining and the convergence of two metaphors there? We see the Lamb of God, but it says that the Lamb of God will also be the shepherd. How can you be a sheep and a shepherd simultaneously? How can, how, it only works with God, amen? But it says here, he will be their shepherd. I love it. it goes on to say, and he will lead them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And then back in John's gospel in chapter 21, Jesus in his post-resurrection period. How many of you have seen the movie Risen? Anybody seen it here? It's, it's written from that period of time after the burial and resurrection of Jesus. And this particular verse happens there where it says in John 21 verse 15, it says, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me? Then he said, okay, feed my lambs shepherd my sheep feed my sheep the emphasis on shepherding the sheep is three times in response to peter's answer the bible also tells us in uh in 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 john chapter 10 which we'll we'll focus on here today but i want to read it to you out of the message bible john 10 10 and 11 i have come i came so they can have real and eternal life more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself. He sacrifices himself if necessary. And then, of course, we're, we extend the idea of shepherding even to the, into the church, the New Testament church. We're told that there are shepherds in the church. The word is introduced. Actually, we read it in most of our translations in Ephesians chapter 4. One of the fivefold gift ministries is listed there as pastor. But the word there really isn't pastor. That's the only place in the Bible word poimen, Greek word poimen, is translated pastor. It's the word shepherd. And there's a lot of scripture dedicated to how people today should be shepherded in the church. And we read in 1 Peter in chapter 5, be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, and it goes on. 
Then finally, just as a reminder and a summary of how we see shepherding in the Bible, Jesus becomes the pattern shepherd. If there was a model shepherd, there's a lot of shepherds in the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament. There's a lot of references to sheep and shepherds, but Jesus becomes the model pattern shepherd. Isn't this interesting? We see Jesus referred to as a good shepherd today. He's also referred to in Hebrews 13 as the great shepherd. He's also referred to in 1 Peter 5 as the chief shepherd. And he's also related in 1 Peter chapter 2 as shepherd and bishop of our souls. He's good, he's great, he's chief, and he's also in charge of our souls. Isn't that good? Jesus becomes the pattern shepherd for us all. Maybe we should also look at sheep for a moment before we get into the text, all right? And I appreciate Brent the other week kind of getting into this idea of sheep as he was talking about uh, the fact that Jesus is the door to the sheep pen, a door to the fold. But quickly, before we go any further, let's just remind ourselves the significance of sheep. From early history, sheep abounded in the Holy Land. The Arabs of the Bible lands have largely been dependent through the centuries upon sheep for their very life. The Jews of Bible times were the first shepherds, and and, and then after shepherding, they became farmers. But they never abandoned entirely the idea of shepherd life. The large number of sheep in the land can be understood when it's realized that, that, do you remember in the Bible, the scripture tells us that Job owned 14,000 sheep. Job had 14,000 sheep. How many say Job was blessed? He was wealthy. He sure was. 14,000 sheep. King Solomon, by the way, at the dedication of the temple, the Bible tells us that he's had a sacrifice of worship to dedicate the temple. And do you remember, some of you probably don't remember, 120,000 sheep were dedicated at the temple dedication. That's a lot of sheep as well, wouldn't you agree? So we find sheep everywhere. There's a wonderful little book. It's been written many, many years ago, but if you ever run across it, grab a copy. It's a nice one. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller, a wonderful little book. And Keller describes sheep in this way, so you can blame him, not me. He says there are four things about sheep that you need to remember. Number one, they're dirty. Their wool gets dirty, and they can't do anything about it. Two, they're defenseless. Sheep have absolutely no means to protect themselves. Totally defenseless. Number three, they're dependent. They require more attention than any other animal on earth, according to Keller. I'm not sure that's highly accurate, but at least we could say they're surely they are dependent. And fourthly, he said they're dumb. Now, I didn't say that. Keller said that, all right? He said they're dumb because they'll just follow anybody. They'll just, they'll just follow anything and anybody. They'll, if left to themselves, they'll actually destroy themselves. So that's a few things about sheep and shepherds before we push back into our text. All right? I want to share with you today five truths about the good shepherd. Who's the good shepherd? I just want to remind you. Let's go right back to the text. Let's look at these five things. Number one, the first truth is what? That the good shepherd... You say, this is so obvious, Bob. The good shepherd is what? Good. (laughs) He is good. 
Now, this is interesting, particularly because of the grammar construction of this phrase, being the good shepherd. Let's take a closer look. He's good. The Greek word here is kalos, and it literally, it doesn't just mean good as in, yeah, that was a good meal. It means good from the standpoint of inherently good, not just moral goodness, but good in every single way. It needs to be understood that Jesus is the good shepherd, not just a good shepherd. All right. There are others that we would say they're good shepherds, but Jesus was the what? The good shepherd. And there were, uh, he is unique in character and the word they're good describes what is noble, wholesome, beautiful in contrast to what is wicked, mean, corrupt. Do you see the contrast? One is unlovely, corrupt. The other is beautiful and good. Here the scripture says he is the kalos, he is the good shepherd. Therefore, when we use the phrase good shepherd, we are referring to that which is inherent in Jesus. And he is the one that protects, guides, and nurtures his flock. He is beautiful. He is valuable. There is no sin, was no sin in him. He is beyond being morally good. He is also excellent, preeminent, in every feature, incapable of doing anything other than good. Incapable of bad. He is good in every attribute as he represents his father. We sang this morning, good, good, father. Everybody say he's a good God. Everybody say he's a good shepherd. Amen. You know, it's one thing to, to, uh, to point out someone and say, he's a good father. But when we talk about God being a good father, it's a total different contrast. It's a total different world, isn't it? And so we need to always be mindful what it means when we say, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The second truth I want you to grasp this morning is the fact that the good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. We notice, first of all, right there in the scripture, uh, in, in, in chapter 10, it speaks of his sheep following him because they know his voice. We also read there when he says, I'm the good shepherd, he uses this phrase, I know my own sheep and my sheep know me. And then he contrasted with his relationship with the father. And he says, in the same way, the father knows me and I know the father. It's very important to understand when he, it, it speaks here about Jesus knowing his sheep as the good shepherd. It's the idea of he calls his own sheep to himself. He leads them out. And the word know is a unique word. There, there's a couple of different Greek words in the original language of the New Testament for the word know. And this one is the word gnosis. It, 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 it gnosko, and it actually suggests the idea of intimate knowledge. So, for example, it is used as a Jewish idiom, actually, for physical intimacy. So to know someone in the Old Testament said, so-and-so knew so-and-so. We understand that that was an idiom for a physical relationship between a couple. Here, the same word we find being used here, speaking of to know something by experience. You know, someone say, well, can you give me directions to, to this particular place? You say, well, you know, I've never been there, but, but I think this is where you go. Or, but if you've been there and you go there regularly, you can say, I know 
this. Why? You know it by personal experience. You've been there. You've traveled there. You know it. So I could say here this morning, I know Denise. I know Jim. I know Bo. I know Debbie. I know Jezero. But I know Carrie. And I know my grandchildren like I don't know you. Why? Why? It's a total different knowing. It's a level of personal intimacy. The amount of time you spend with someone increases your knowledge of them. And that's when here, what is used here when it talks about Jesus knowing his sheep and us following him. Why? Because we even know his voice. He knows who belongs to him. I think sometimes we get into, into the trap of trying to figure out who belongs to him, who are his sheep and who are not. Aren't you glad that he's the one that's going to make the judgment on who are his sheep? There are people that don't act like the kind of sheep that I think they ought to act like. But if, if Jesus knows them as his sheep, then that's all that really matters, isn't it? So it, this word is very important. What I want you to know this morning is this. Jesus knows you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're born again, he knows you and he wants you to know him. Paul prays in that famous text in Ephesians chapter 1, I pray that you may know him. What's he talking about? He's not just saying know about him. He's not saying take a Bible study course in and of itself, although that's great. He's not talking about you just reading another book to have information about God or become a theologian. He says that you may know him. He means that personal, intimate, gnosko kind of knowledge. Paul said at the end of his life, towards the end of his life, he's writing, he says, oh church, if I could just know him. And they're thinking, he knew him. It was the word he chose that I might know him more intimately. I still don't think I've even scraped the service. Have you? Have you even just feel like sometimes you say, I've known the Lord for a long time, but I don't know him like I want to know him. Could you agree with that? If you don't feel that way, we're going to pray for you today. All right. Because you should feel that way. Listen, listen, he knows everything about you. He knows, Crystal was saying this this morning. He knows everything about you. He knows everything good and bad, but he loves you anyway. He loves you in spite of it. I'm so thankful for that. Just as a real shepherd knows every individual sound, bleat, ba of his sheep. Jesus knows when you're hurting. He knows every detail about you. He knows it. I'm so glad he knows you and he knows me. Because why? He's a good shepherd. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Number three, the good shepherd sacrifices for his sheep. The scripture is very clear. Right after Jesus said, I am the good shepherd because I lay down my life for the sheep. A good shepherd was a shepherd that would do anything for his flock. Sometimes they owned the flock. Sometimes they were simply in charge of the flock and being paid uh, to it. But here he's contrasting a hired shepherd with a true shepherd. And here he talks to us about the idea of sacrifice. And there's many sacrifices that Jesus has made. But let's be honest. What is the ultimate sacrifice? What he did on the cross. 
over 2,000 years ago, he paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be in his flock. So we could be his sheep. He saw you in foreknowledge. He knew who he was paying the sacrifice for. Who did he pay it for? The unrighteous. Even before we, even before we loved him, he loved us. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. Who was the righteous? Jesus. Who is the unrighteous? We are. What a sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And the scripture goes on to describe what he did for us when he went to Calvary in Romans 5.10. For if when we were yet, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more now have we been reconciled? Shall we then be saved through his life? Oh, thank God that he made the sacrifice for us. Jesus died in our place. He took your sin, my sin, on the cross when he died. Why? So he could open up a way for you and me to experience life, to have it eternally, and to have it abundantly. I love the, the quotation by C.S. Lewis when he talks about the sacrifice of Jesus. And it says this, It costs God nothing, as far as we know, to create nice things. We love God's creation. We're never really told that it cost him anything to do that. Lewis goes on to say, but to convert our rebellious wills, it cost him the crucifixion. It cost Jesus something. And we'll be focusing on that Friday night. His sacrifice, by the way, in this particular section of, this, of John chapter 10 is in direct contrast. It's, it's there to help us see his contrast between the how he sacrifices and lays down his life for the sheep versus a hireling. A hireling is simply one hired to do a job. They are paid a wage and a salary. A hired man is one that does the work of a mercenary. A hired man has no vested interest. Now, as good faithful Christians, if, if we're hired to do a job, we ought to do the best we can. We ought to, frankly, to be faithful stewards. We ought to do it just as if we owned it. But let's be honest. Most people who are just hired to do a job, they really don't care much other than just doing what? Getting a paycheck. If things don't go just the right way, the hired shepherd, if he ran into a problem, what would he do? I'm out of here. He'd run. Abandon the sheep. Do whatever is necessary. When problems or crisis would arise, a hired hand would just take off. They would abdicate their responsibility for the sheep. A year or so ago, we were on the beach somewhere. I don't remember where. And, uh, you know, you go to certain beaches, and they have vendors that will actually rent you a, a cabana or umbrella, all kind of stuff to, for your day at the beach. So uh, I, I noticed... Uh, you know, a lot of people were, were renting these cabanas and all the gear for a day at the beach. And uh, all of a sudden, unexpectedly, a storm rose up. And all of a sudden, the wind began to blow. And it wasn't raining, but the wind was blowing. You could see the storm coming in. All of a sudden, the wind started blowing. And those umbrellas were like, all of they were lifting. And you could just look down the beach. And those umbrellas, oh, just rolling. Just like tumbleweed rolling down the beach. Do you know I didn't see anybody running after the umbrella to get it and to take it back and, and to make sure the umbrella was okay. Why? Wasn't theirs. 
They just, they had already rented it. It wasn't theirs. They didn't care about it. Say, oh, that'll be up to them. They'll take, the rental company will take care of it. Do you see the difference between being someone that's hired and someone that owns something? And Jesus is a good shepherd. And when he says he's a good shepherd, he's not just a hired man. He was also, I think it's pretty obvious, that he was contrasting himself to the Pharisees. See, what actually precipitated John 10 was, was a dialogue that, that Brent mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago. This dialogue and little thing going on, tit for tat, between the Pharisees and Jesus and so he goes into this, John chapter 10, they were already mad. He had already angered them. He healed a blind man after his. He had an argument with them in the temple, and then he walked out, and he said, oh, by the way, right before he was leaving, he had to heal a blind man on his way out. It was almost as if he was just saying, see? <laughs> they were the religious leaders. The Pharisees and the scribes considered themselves the shepherds of Israel. They were in charge of the sheep. They were all powerful. Jesus was now saying as a direct confrontation, I'm not like a hired man like you are. I am the good shepherd. I don't do it for a paycheck. I do it because I am the good shepherd. Do you see the difference? Oh, I'm so glad Jesus doesn't abandon me. He won't abandon you. Later in the chapter it says, no, nothing and no one can pluck you out of his hand. Aren't you thankful that the unconditional love of God makes us secure in who we are in Jesus? And we know that he loves us so very much. Mm. Let's, look at the, uh, let's look at number four. thought you'd enjoy that picture there. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. He cares for his sheep. When we use the word care, the word care is usually in the New Testament when it's used, it's used to in exchange for the word feed, nurture, take good care of, provide everything that is needed for the welfare of someone. So here we read in the, in the New Testament in John chapter 10, we see the word shepherd. It suggests uh, that he is providing everything needed, protection, guarding the sheep, carrying the sheep, any needs that the sheep had. So there is the caring aspect. Just a couple of quick scriptures uh, that may, may bless you. In Isaiah 40 and verse 11, this is one of my favorites. Uh, so this is obviously speaking of the Lord as a shepherd. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs. In his arms, he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. In other words, the sheep that have a little lamb, he's gentle with them. He understands. Isn't that an amazing image in your mind of the Lord gathering sheep? When we're hurting, when we're wounded, sometimes even when we don't know that we have deep needs, he, just picture the good shepherd is just bringing you close to him, gathering you in close to take care of you, to pour that healing oil upon us, who would anoint our head, the Psalm uh, 23 says, anoint our heads with oil. It's that healing oil, that caring, nurturing, love-giving shepherd that's being emphasized here. In addition to that, we know that it involves feeding. A good shepherd not only provides just care, but also food for the sheep. We know that the scripture tells us what kind of food he provides. I think there's all different kinds of nutritious food that he provides, but his primary food for you and me today is what? His word. 
And hasn't he made available to us the word of God, the infallible, indisputable, inerrant word of God that you can take home, stand on, believe in, speak out loud with faith that you can trust God's word. And it feeds you. It feeds you. Some of us, we talked last week about eating more because he's the bread of life. But I'm telling you, the spiritual food that we need in order to live is the word of God. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said that. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says, like newborn babies, crave, crave pure spiritual milk. Now we may crave other things in life, but how many of you are craving the word of God? You go a couple of days, you say, I've just got to spend an extra hour in God's word today. I've got to get in the word. I crave it. I need it. Why? It's my sustenance. I, I'm not healthy without it. I can't endure without it. I can't go through this life without being fed regularly. The word of God that Jesus has provided for you and for me, it'll make you strong. It'll make you healthy. But you have to understand that Jesus as the good shepherd provides that. I like to also point out where he likes to feed us. Psalm 23 verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me where? It doesn't say at McDonald's. It does not say Cracker Barrel. What does it say? You prepare a table before me where? In the presence of my enemies. I don't have some, we all have enemies. People, an enemy isn't someone who's like, you know, who's got a contract on your life. It's simply someone who has something against you, who's not on your side in one way or the other. We all have people that could fall into that category. And God tells us we got to love them anyway. Come on, someone say amen. We got to love them anyway, right? But here the Bible tells us that he will actually spread a meal right out for us and allow you to eat even though you're being attacked, even though you got enemies, even though people have assignments against you, people trying to take you down, and still he will feed you, take care of you, even in the presence of enemies, even in a hostile environment. You say, you just don't know my job, pastor. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It can be as hostile as you can imagine. He's still going to provide for you. He will still give you food that you need, even in the presence of enemies. One more point, and I'm closing. The good shepherd, the good shepherd does what? He leads his sheep. All of these things are taken directly from John chapter 10. The scripture tells us very specifically how he does that. He leads his sheep with his voice. Scripture tells us in verse 5, when he has brought out all of his own, speaking of his own sheep, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep, what? Follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Isn't it amazing how voice recognition, although it's taken technology a while to refine that ability, but when it comes to human beings, how easy and how quick it is in God's creation for us to have voice recognition. I mean, it, I mean a, a baby can be three months old, and it's almost as if mama hardly has to say anything. She just got to be in the room. That baby sniffs it out. Baby knows mama's in the room. Mama leaves the room, and guess what? That baby's going to start crying, Lord. Say, Why? That baby knows mama, mama's presence. 
Sometimes all it takes, the babies are screaming or kids are yelling. All it takes is just a voice. I, I'm here. Right. Don't have to say a lot. You don't have to say, I'm going to read a chapter to you. Just, some, just say, I just want you to know, honey, I am here. Just the word settles. Why? Because your voice is known. Did you know Jesus wants to lead you? Day by day by day, he wants to lead you. And if you'll follow him, you'll avoid some pitfalls that you don't have to fall into. He'll lead you. He'll even lead you around certain things. He'll lead you to avoid certain things. He's our leader. Shepherds suggest a leader. And he leads us with his voice. Now this suggests that what? We need to develop what? hearing ears. We have to develop that ability to hear and recognize it. But there's something in the scripture here that tells us, we talked about this in our series on hearing from heaven in the fall. As a Christian, if you truly are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. God gives you an inherent ability to know the voice of God. Not only will he know your voice, you will know his voice. And by the way, he leads us how? With compassion. He leads us to the psalm, uh, shepherd psalm in Psalm 23 says, He leads me beside still waters. He leads me where? In the green pastures. He refreshes and restores me. But only if we're following his leadership. Sometimes when I feel the driest, I'm like, okay, where did I step off the path? Where did I take a detour? Because I know he leads me beside still waters, not rushing so fast that I can't even get a drink, not like putting my mouth in front of a fire hydrant, but he leads me beside waters that I can drink, that are fresh, that are good, healthy, spring-like waters. And he leads me to pastures that are healthy for me. But we have to follow his leadership. He's a good shepherd who leads us wherever he wants us to go. I'm going to close this morning. Hope that you've learned something from the five truths that we've gleaned from John chapter 10. I want you to leave today knowing this. He is a, he is the, and I hope that you can say today, he's your shepherd. Would you bow your heads for a moment? We're going to close out the surface. I want the prayer teams to come forward be here across the front, available for ministry. To be one of his sheep requires a step of faith. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure that you're in his sheepfold, if you don't know for certain that you're in the flock, that you can say, not just theoretically, but you can say personally, he's my shepherd. He's the shepherd of my soul. You can make that decision right now. And maybe you're here and you say, man, I used to follow Jesus like that, but no, I just haven't been there in a long time. But I, today I'd like to re-decide for Jesus as my shepherd. I want to follow him. I, I want him to be Lord and shepherd. If you need to make a decision like that right now, would you just raise your hand and say, I need to come to Christ, maybe for the first time, or may as to get your life back right with God and get back following Him as your shepherd. Is there someone that can just raise your hand? We will, 
we can make a scene, but just raise your hand so we can pray for you today. So I need that kind of relationship with Jesus, my shepherd. Is there one hand? Anyone here at all? Says, I need that. I pray that that means that every one of you have that kind of walk and relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning, you can look up right now. Say, Pastor Bobby, I know Jesus is my shepherd, but I, I needed to hear something. Something's, the Lord said something today that, that just registered somewhere in me. And, and we need to have a sense of responsibility when God's word comes out. We need to act on it. We respond to God's word in faith, and then we appropriate it. So if you're here this morning, you say, there's something I heard the Holy Spirit quicken something to me today. I need to walk out for my life. Would well, just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and say, I heard something, and you put it down. I did. Only two of you. Great. I just spent a whole 30 minutes. Did you hear something that, that spoke to you? Good. I pray so. Y'all are just being, being reserved today, I pray. Let's follow Jesus. Let's, let's let him be the shepherd of our souls and all that that means. All right? Would you stand to your feet? Denise is going to come and close us. Listen, if you have a need in your life today, spiritual, physical, emotional, marital, whatever it may be, these couples that are standing here at the front of the auditorium are here for you. They're ready, primed to pray over you and to minister to you. Do not hesitate to slip out of where you're seated and come down here and let them pray for you. And Denise is going to speak a blessing over you as you go today. Amen. As we leave today, I just want to speak a blessing of the awareness of God's presence and his goodness over you everywhere you go. Jesus Christ with you. Jesus Christ before you. Christ behind you. Christ in you. Christ beneath you. Christ above you. Christ on your right. Christ on your left. Christ when you sit down. Christ when you lie down. And Christ when you arise. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of you. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of you. Christ in the eye of everyone who sees you. And Christ in every ear that hears you. May the Lord bless you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.